Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What folks don't understand is that Beyonce is an athlete. And I remember, and I shared this with the passing of Kobe, uh, who was a young man I knew uh, growing up with the girls. And I, I remember getting a call from Kobe directly. He was like, Mr. Knows, can I, can I get two tickets? Uh, it was kind of last minute. You know, I was like, well, uh, he was like, I really want to sit on the front row. Uh, I said, well, yeah, I, I think I can make that happen for you. I said, why do you want to go to a Beyonce show? He says, I wanted to see greatness and I wanted to learn. And, you know, as we now know now, we know that would be Kobe. You know, he would want to learn something. But think about it. When somebody performs for two to two and a half hours and they're constantly moving at a very high rate of speed, like a basketball player or a football player. They don't have timeouts. They do have like four, five, one-minute break to do a wardrobe change. They don't have another team that can play defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's an athlete. Matthew Doles is Beyonce's father, and he served as her manager for many years. So he has a unique insight into her amazing career. I talked to Matthew about how B has done it and what the strategy has been and what has really set her apart. And he had some really interesting answers. If you love Beyonce and want to understand her success, you got to check out this conversation. You can get half of this interview for free. For the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash show. That's patreon.com slash show. And now... It's Mr. Matthew Knowles on Torre Show. I talked to you a long time ago uh, when I did a big story on uh, Beyonce for Rolling Stone. And uh, we had a nice talk on the phone. And it sort of relates to your book about Destiny's Child because part of what you talked about was your history at Xerox and marketing and uh, that sort of stuff and translating that into Destiny's Child. So can you talk a little bit about how your Fortune 500 sales and marketing experience 
helped them and was applied to their career at the beginning? Well, first of all, thank you for uh, allowing me an opportunity. I enjoyed our talk before. Thank I you. hope wherever you are, you're safe. Yeah, and, we're okay. and it looks that way. Um, but you know, I came from corporate America. Uh, Twenty years of, of corporate America uh, had you know great success in corporate America in sales and marketing. Uh, sold zero radiography for breast cancer detection with the medical division of Xerox. I was one of the first blacks to sell MRI and CT scanners in America. Uh, then I ended my corporate commit career as a neuro um, uh, surgeon, uh, health specialist with Johnson & Johnson. Uh, so it was pretty varied, uh, and it gave me exceptional experience, uh, exceptional experience in terms of marketing, uh, exceptional experience in terms of branding, uh, and, and it gave me how to build relationships. Uh, so when I went into the music industry, unlike others, I was a little bit older. Uh, and I uh, came in with, rather than going into the record industry, we were going into the branding and endorsement industry. And our approach was totally different than most. Uh, when we first came in, it was a typical, you were in the urban division, the black division. Uh, the budgets were lower. Uh, your marketing budget was lower. Your video budget was lower. Your promotion budget was lower. Uh, and I understood uh, immediately that I had to bring in partnerships. Uh, so our first partnership was L'Oreal. Uh, and you saw, you know, Beyonce's commercials. But prior to that, they had Destiny's Child songs in commercials. Uh, our first partnership was also in Walmart. But if you take out Walmart out of the equation, then Destiny's Child and, and Beyonce would not have been as successful. Uh, because then we were talking about physical CDs and Walmart dominated the industry in terms of physical, the most... Uh, sold physical CDs. So we build those relationships, but we also knew that the world is much bigger than 330 million people in America. There's another 7 billion people out there that we wanted to go and, and market and sell to. And so we did a lot of international promotions. The girls worked extremely hard. Uh, going around the world and building this brand also. I'm curious, like, what were some of the things that you, like, you talk about you had a different approach, but what were some of the things you were able to take from your corporate experience and drop into, okay, I was selling these machines, now I'm marketing and branding these girls who I love. How, what were some of the similarities well, I think what I, 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 I gathered from corporate America uh, and the things that I did in corporate America, uh, like I was the president of a division, part of, of Xerox, uh, MUSR, Minorities United in the Southern Region, where majority of the blacks that worked at Xerox, we formed an allegiance and an alliance, and I was the president of that uh, organization. It taught me leadership skills. So when I went into the music industry, I had leadership skills, and I knew uh, through leadership skills how to empower others, 
back when I went in the industry, managers, artists, and record labels, the artists hated the record company. You, yes. You've heard that before, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. Well, we were just the opposite of that. We built a partnership with the record label. Uh, we were on the same page of what our final goal was. We weren't on separate pages. I'm not going to do that for the record label. Ah, oh, the record label will make all the money. Well, we understood that, A, we were building a brand, and B, in a partnership, everyone has to win. So the girls worked their butts off, not selling, not making a lot of money in the beginning, but building their base and selling records and building a relationship with Columbia Records because they're making a profit from this project, uh, which only 1% of all albums make a profit. What were the brand values that you were aiming toward at the beginning? Well, the brand value is that we had tremendous talent. We had different imaging. Uh, you know, when we got into the industry, uh, Tina, my, my former wife and friend, did an exceptional job on imaging Destiny's Child. Uh, the brand value was that we were international. The brand value, if we were not, and I would not allow the, the, the girls to be an urban brand only, uh, that we were a general market brand. Uh, and brought value in that we could sell to the overall market. Um, and, and the other value is we had tremendous talents and, and tremendous work ethics. These girls had a million-dollar dream. Some people have a million-dollar dream, and they give it minimum wage work ethics. They were just the opposite. They had a million-dollar dream, and they gave you ethics undeniable. You know, when I look at Michael Jordan last dance, it made me think about Destiny's Child and Beyonce's career. Uh, and, and Michael kind of reminded me of, uh, not kind of, but reminded me of Beyonce. Scottie Pippen reminded me of Kelly, the dynamic duo. Uh, and, and the personality of Michael that he wanted to win and the personality that he wouldn't ask anybody in the group to on the team here to do anything he wouldn't do. Uh, just reminded me so much of, you know, that whole documentary and how Phil Jackson was the coach. That's the same as a manager. You know? I mean, I've, it, I, I've heard, I've heard stories of other groups. They go on the first tour and it is exhausting and it's out of your world. And a lot of people go on their first tour and they're like, I'm good. I don't like this. This is not fun. And I've heard from folks at, at Columbia who were like, Beyonce and them went on their first tour. They loved it. And as soon as it was over, it's like, when can we go back? And there was just this insatiable desire and work ethic to like just be out there performing, never stopping. Is that how you remember it? Well, you got to remember I'm the manager. You know, the girls get a lot of credit. But, you know, I said something in January. I'm not giving that credit away anymore. Uh, they deserve credit, but had it not been for me, nobody, none of you want to say that. Had it not been for me, we wouldn't be sitting here. So I, I just unapologetically 
I'm unapologetically now going to get my role. Okay. So what is the critical part that, that, that you did? The critical part was building a relationship with the label, convincing my artist of that, of working, going and working as hard as they did, putting together an exceptional team. Their publicist, still Beyonce's publicist. Road manager, still Beyonce's road manager. Security, still Beyonce's security. Putting together that team. Because uh, it wasn't just I, I of any of this. This was a team effort of record label artists with incredible talent. Beyonce's gifted with incredible work ethics, but a team of people, and we were all on the same page. Again, it reminds me of the Michael Jordan, Last Dance. That was a team effort. Sure. Led by one individual, which would be Beyonce, who had this incredible drive, but had it not been for the coach. It's a different road. They would have won six championships, and everybody know that. You know, to your point, look, it's not like, you dropped the first single, it blew up, and you know, the rest is history. The beginning was rocky. There were some uh, lineup changes. People were like, what's going on? Every time we see this group, it's a different three or four of them. So talk about that segment of it and how you got through that to finally get, okay, this is our steady lineup, and now we're off to the races. Great, great question. Uh, I got involved. This was ever-going uh, lineup. You know, it started out as girls' time. It started out in the early 90s. The girls were very young, you know, 11, 10, 11 years old. Uh, I'm working number one sales rep at Xerox. This is not my focus at all. I was just a dad who dropped off his kid to practice because Tina and I own a major hair salon, and she on the weekends was doing that. Uh, so that was my role to drop her off. I wasn't involved with that at all. I would go play basketball, come back and pick her up. Uh, but then they went to Starster. So, you know, for the younger folks listening, consider that American Idol. Yep. Uh, and they lost, we'll say, on American Idol. Uh, but it was Starster. That's when I got involved, when the girls were crying their hearts out, uh, and I went to Ed McMahon, the host. I said, what does a dad do? I mean, I'm seeing these kids crying. They work so hard. I know this is their dream. I mean, what am I supposed to do? He said, look, I don't know what, what's going here on with my own show, because Boys to Men came on, they lost. Usher came on, he lost. Justin Timberlake came on, he lost. Britney Spears came on, she lost. And he said, but one thing they had in common is when they went back home, uh, they made changes, they refocused, rededicated. Uh, and, and so that's when I got involved. Uh, the then management, they split. It was three young ladies. Uh, they had some quarrels. They split up. Uh, one of them and I partnered together. Uh, we knew we couldn't have dancers. They were trying to get a record deal with dancers. Can you believe trying to get a record deal with dancers? Uh, <laughs> so that's how far removed they were from the industry. So you know, I went back to school 
uh, went to art, artist management, took uh, production, you know, took some courses so I could know something. I went to every seminar that you can imagine uh, to educate myself and began to build relationships. Uh, then we had to make lineup changes. The dancers were no longer part. And then Babyface and Ella A. Reed's partner, still his, their partner, Daryl Simmons, saw the girls perform in Houston uh, at a Black Expo. And he liked what he saw and he signed the girls. Uh, but that didn't work out. And they got dropped. He had a production deal with Sylvia Rome at Electro Records, who was then Electro Records. Huge. Uh, it shows how naive I was uh, because Electric, Electro Records then had in bulk. Right. And heyday. And one thing I know today, I would never try to get a record deal where there's another group or another artist just like mine. And they're at the highlight at the, their career because you know the record label is going to put all their emphasis on that. Wait, just to d- drill down on that point, someone else might say if Sylvia and Electra knows how to make and Vogue hot, surely they know how to make another, right? I mean, like Clive Davis has done it with lots of different singular black women over and over. So why are you saying if a Sylvia or whoever, Joe Johnson has and Vogue and you have a similar girl group, you don't want to go there. No, I, I highly, highly recommend that you look at another label that does not have something like you have. So all the focus of that label can be on you. Uh, when you have a, a superstar act, these girls involved with superstar acts. Right. When yeah. you have a baby act, uh, you know, that's kind of like saying Jay-Z's on a label and a new no-name rapper's on a label. Like, why wouldn't... You want to sign a no-name rapper when they only have one other rapper, and it's Jay-Z. Like, you'd be crazy to do that. They only right. have one other girl group that was involved. Like, you can't put the same amount of focus. Well, why didn't it work out with... somebody with 30 years of experience now. No, I, I hear you. Why didn't it work out with... Work. Why didn't it work out with Babyface in L.A.? Because they were super hot. They super understood R&B and making hit records. What, what was the disconnect there? No, it wasn't Babyface in L.A. It was Daryl Simmons, their partner. Okay, okay, okay. Their, their writing partner. Um, and still is their writing partner. What happened, Daryl, this was his first production deal. We all were new. I was a new manager. My partner was a new manager. Daryl, this was his, you know, he's making hit records with everybody in the industry. The three, those three, uh, and, and him, Babyface, and L.A. So you can imagine how busy he he was making hit records, right? So he then formed a production company, Silent Partner Production. He had a rap group out of Alabama. He had a solo artist out of Atlanta, and then he had Destiny Shaw. I understand this totally today. When you're that successful doing any one aspect of the music industry, you don't have the time to dedicate to other areas. He had the passion. He wanted this to be successful, but none of those three artists were successful because his focus was on songwriting. 
mm-hmm. with Elliot and Babyface. I understand that today. Then I didn't understand. Today, I clearly understand it. I have a lot of respect for Dell. So why was Columbia the right home? Because this young lady, Teresa Labavera Weiss, who was then a talent scout, and she was new. And she literally met us before we signed a deal with Electra. She sent the tape up to Columbia Records. It got lost. Not one time, not two times, three times. <laughs> the third time I thought, look, you're just giving me some BS rather than just saying, you know, there's no interest. And literally signed Daryl. And two days later, she's like, we want to give you a deal. I'm like, sorry, it's too late. We've already signed the deal. Uh, and But she stayed with us and kept up with us. And then when the ladies got dropped, she came back to the picture and wanted to have a showcase with the girls. And we had that showcase. And that's how they got signed. That's the short version. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance. 
who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. You know, there's there's a lot of parents as managers in the industry. I've met a lot of of moms that we call them momagers. You know, they call themselves momagers at times. Definitely some dads, fewer, uh, but definitely some. Did you experience folks saying like? When you're building, like, oh, you know, that's just their dad, you know, like, you know, not necessarily giving you the same respect that they would somebody who was uh, not not related to the talent. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. And, and, you know, I very seldom said I was the dad. Okay. Uh, I very seldom said that, if ever. Uh, Other people might have said it, but I would never say, use the word, dad. but you have to remember, I had other arts also. You know, I managed Nas for a period of time. Uh, you know, I had a, a Mario that I managed at the same time. So it wasn't like I was just, I had Lil O, who was signed to MCA Records, who back in the 90s, as you know, there was no better urban label that had Puffy on it, Mary J. Blige on yep. it. You know, I can go on and on. You know who was on that label. Yeah, that was yeah. the first artist I signed. It wasn't Destiny Child. That's the point I want folks to know. Destiny Child was the second artist I got a, a record deal, major record deal. The first artist was Lil O, rapper, who was successful with his first album on MCA Records. So I had built a relationship in the industry. I started to build a relationship in, in the industry. You, um, yeah, you're you 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 making me think about Andre Harrell now, and you know we're yeah, all he was sort there. of yeah. You make me. It's, it's just sad that you know he, he just recently passed. You know, do you have any? Yeah. The, you know, what are your your thoughts and memories in, on that? You know, I have to say I just occasionally met Andre at different events. Always stand up man. Uh, always encouraging, uh, and was a leader. That's yeah. what I would say about Andrew. Where but they you? were all there. Jody C was there. Uh, MCA. I mean, Heavy D was there. <laughs> so, so, so just to the point of you're not just uh, Beyonce and Destiny's Child's manager. What are some of the keys to being a great artist manager? Because we've seen a lot of bad ones or a lot of ones who are just riding coattails. You're clearly taking the effort, shaping careers, what are the keys to being a great artist manager? Well, there's a number. One is identifying talent. And talent is, for me, also identifying if that artist is passionate about what they're doing. Because inside of passion, uh, you have the work ethics. They coexist. If you don't have the passion, then your work ethics will be weak. So I first want to understand the work ethics. Then I want to understand the artistry. Uh, it's about as a manager, I have to know everybody's job. I have to know what the road manager does. I have to know what the head of marketing does. I have to know what publicity does. I have to know everyone's job. 
And I have to put that team together and manage that team on a daily basis. And I have to understand. So it's knowledge-based. Most managers aren't knowledgeable of the industry. They're just some buddies and, you know, they, they didn't take the time to gain the knowledge. I know this business. Now, the other part is building relationships. People did a lot of things for Destiny's Child, a lot of things for Beyonce because they liked us. And we're in the industry of I don't like you. Uh, I'll do it, but I'll kind of sort of do it. Does the manager have a role in terms of taste, in terms of direction, in terms of, hey, you know, you're, you, we want to stoke the urban audience more, or we want to do this, or we let's go into a movie so we can make you big, like, so bigger sorts of taste things, cultural things. Like, is that a big part of it? That's a huge part of it is planning and strategic planning, knowing and, and knowing three years out, knowing five years out, uh, strategic planning is absolutely a key element. Uh, and again, that manager has to get a buy-in from the artist first uh, and a buy-in from the team. Uh, and that team is record label, uh, even touring. You know, most managers don't understand tour and how that really works. And interesting sees of it. Uh, touring is a, a real beast, and this is the way artists make most of their money. So if your manager doesn't know and understand touring, and you don't really make money from selling records, but you make money from touring, then that's is a end uh, in disaster. I it's mean, a lot of information. Folks don't realize the knowledge base that's required to be an effective manager. You have to know financial. You have to understand, uh, be able to read a P&L and understand that. I mean, you've got to understand some legal. You've got to work with the attorney. You interface with the, the entertainment attorney. You, under, you interface with the book agent. Uh, you interface with a lot of people. You know, a lot of, a lot of recording artists have talked to me about they don't really know how much they've made. Like making money as a recording artist off the album almost becomes like the company pays you, but the company gives their money to somebody else. And then somebody else says, this is how much you made. I've had artists tell me, yeah, the label owes me somewhere between five and $10 million, which that's a gigantic range. And yeah, the that's... label will not let you, even as a powerful manager, Look at the books. So you don't really know exactly how many records has Beyonce sold. You don't know. No, that's how, not true. How do you deal with that? That's not true. That's not true at all. That the label wouldn't let me look at the books. Every, if you're doing it the correct way, every artist should have a business manager. Yeah. And that business manager's job is to know that information of what's being sold, where all the revenue is coming from, uh, accountability on all of the finances. And that responsibility requires an audit occasionally where the business manager will audit the record label and gather all of that information. But again, you have to be knowledgeable manager to even know the audit exists, what a business manager does. You get my point? The more yeah. we are taught, there's nothing you can talk to me about 
that I won't be able to be knowledgeable. I work my butt off to be extremely knowledgeable. Let, let me just tell a story. Billboard, we, we know, right? Billboard is still the Bible of the music. Yeah. You know what most folks don't know? The decade of 2000 to 2009, Billboard every decade puts out artists of the decade. Now, you can imagine in a decade how many artists, and they put the top 100, and it's based on album sales, it's based on, back then, now it's based on streaming, but it's based on album sales then, it was based on touring revenue, uh, they had a formula. The top 10 artists of the decade, the top 10, 20% of them I managed. Wow. That's why I say I'm unapologetically, I'm actually getting a little annoyed by people not recognizing what I did. That, I mean, you know, that's an extraordinary statistic. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Um, well, if I was a white man, I would be the number one manager ever in the history of music. <laughs> I'm laughing because I love that you said that. Uh, you're just not getting the credit for the success that you've had, which is so typical of us and what we have to go through and how we... My mom told me when I was a little kid, you're going to have to be twice as good to get half the recognition. And you're here you are going through that, uh, you know, in your career. Um, can you talk about, cause your book is all about Destiny's Child. Let's talk about the end of Destiny's Child. Why did Beyonce leave? Well, there's no end of that Destiny's Child. Of course, of course, of course. Destiny's but, what, what, but when she yeah. went solo, that was a different era in her career and their career. So why, talk about that chapter. What happened there? So there was a strategic plan, again, talking strategy, that as their manager, I came up with, and each one of the ladies bought into because it's not a manager is not a dictator. Uh, basically, at the end of the day, the artist has the control. Now, what's different with Destiny's Child is you have to understand their agents. And 
anybody that think that an 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old is going to make million-dollar decisions in the music industry is fool. The girl started at 16. So you think they were making business decisions? It blows my mind that people think at 16 these girls were making business decisions. They were artists. But I came up with a strategy that said, ladies, let's build the audience. And how we build this audience is in between each album. And this also will build your personal growth as an artist in between each Destiny's Child album. Michelle, what is your passion of music, genre of music? I love gospel. I grew up in the church. Kelly, what's your genre? I love pop music. Beyonce, what's your genre? I love R&B. In between every Destiny's Child album, there were three solo albums. That was a strategy. The strategy was to bring a bigger bass. The strategy was to make each one of the ladies gain more confidence. And the strategy is I knew, they didn't know this, I knew that one day this would outgrow each other. So I wanted everybody to have a fair opportunity for when that happened, that they had a solo career. Michelle has had four number one gospel albums. It angers me that people will not acknowledge. In our business, I don't care if you're a polka artist. If it's number one, it's number one. That means you're the best polka artist there are. There is. Kelly had extreme success international as a pop artist. To this day, Australia, she dominates. And Beyonce, we know that story. Beyonce has been, since, since this period we're talking about, perhaps the number one recording artist in the world. Certainly the biggest and most interesting career that we've ever seen in this modern era. Talk about how you guided her, because you continued to be her manager for many years. Um, for the first three albums. Yeah. So, so, what were, so what was the strategy launching her into the solo career that became so incredibly successful? What were the, you know, what, what was the strategy? Well, for Beyonce, uh, the general of our strategy was the same for all three ladies. They're just, their genre of music was different. Uh, and, and it starts with having a great song. Uh, you can be Destiny Shaw, Beyonce all day long. If you have a whack song, the equals whack. So it begins for me, it begins with the song and, and going out and getting the best songwriters and the best producers in the industry. And another role of the manager, if you're really an effective manager, is you build relationships and you go and you find producers and songwriters. Uh, but, you know, I played a dual role. I was the executive producer, and the Destiny's Child was a joint venture with Music World, my record label. So, you know, I played a different role on, on some of these records. But for Beyonce specifically, it was to go and get those great songs. She was developing because she's a Michael Jordan. She kept learning and learning like a sponge. She wanted to be and still do the greatest.
Thank you so much to Mr. Knowles for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, and Michelle. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. Shut us down.